You're listening to the Library Pros Podcast with Chris and Bob, a techie librarian and a computer IT guy discussing libraries, technology, and all things this side of the reference desk. Thanks, Carl. Hi, and welcome to episode 104, 104, Bob, of the, I know, I can't believe. Of the Library uh, Pros Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Bob. And today we're coming to you from the booth at the Sachem Public Library in Holbrook, New York, and the M.S. Clark Memorial Library in Sotoka, New York. Library Pros Podcast is a bi-monthly podcast, so please subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find podcasts. And please check us out on Twitter, at The Library Pros, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Library Pros. Consider leaving a review or telling someone about us because word of mouth is the best way to help our podcast listenership grow. Okay, I'm super excited today. Today we mm-hmm. have Tamara Hijat. I said it right, right? Tamara Hijat. Okay, I'm always I'm horrible with names. So she's a pediatric gastroenterologist at Cincinnati's Children's Hospital, assistant professor at the University of Cincinnati Department of Pediatrics, and co-host of the podcast Bowel Sounds Pediatric GI Podcast. First of all, you're way above in education and smarts and everything, probably more than anybody else we've ever had in this podcast. Oh no. I- Probably not. <laughs> so Tamara's going to talk to us today about her journey in podcasting, the Harvard Medical School Certificate Program in Media and Medicine, and the importance of sharing information in this new medium. So welcome to the podcast. <laughs> thank you, Chris. Thank you, Bob. And thank you for having me. This is exciting. I'm so excited to be on this podcast. Yeah, we're excited That's to have neat. you too. So like, I, like we just said, we're excited to have you on the podcast because it's always great speaking with people from other professions that have also embraced the power of podcasting and information. So before we get into podcasting, tell us your story. What made you want to become a doctor? Because that's scary. Um, yeah, I like to joke that um, I became a doctor because my dad filled out my college application. <laughs> <laughs> But I think it's because, um, so I'm one of seven and I'm the middle child. So I'm always used to being that person who helps out people and supports people. So I thought the medical field would be great for that. Um, And then I feel like doctors are like detectives. You get all the information and try to figure out the uh, puzzle or the mystery Um, so that kind of having a brain that works like, uh, I would say a detective where kind of gathering their information and trying to figure out the the puzzle and wanting to help people, uh, is what inspired me to become a doctor. Not my dad. My dad did not influence my career. (laughs) (laughs) I think we all got a little bit of that growing up. My dad wanted me to be a lawyer and I made it as far as law school. And you know, you know, in med school when they say, look to your left, look to your right, they won't be there when you graduate. I was, yeah. guy, I was the guy on the left. <laughs> you were not there when I graduated? <laughs> I was not. I only made it to first year and I barely eked through. So anyway, I, I'm in a better place now anyway, because we're podcasting. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Tamara, so, so for most of us, medical school seems like climbing Mount Everest and, and that's completely right. Uh, can you share with us what, what that journey looked like for you or what it's like for you? You're absolutely right. It is a very, very long and hard journey um, to become uh, a physician. And really, it's um, it takes motivation, dedication, because you and your peers that are in the same level, uh, when you go through medical school, 
um, you're still in medical school or in training and your peers are already kind of advanced in their um, in their life and their professional life. So it is a challenging uh, career. Um, and for me, being neurodivergent and having like ADHD and dyslexia, it was so hard for me. I would be, I would sit on a chapter for days and days and months and try to read things and imagine them. And I would be so amazed by people who could just go through a book really quickly. So everybody had their own journey, but everybody's journey was challenging. I think it's for the best because you're taking care of people's lives. So you have to know the basics and the information and um, know all the knowledge to take really good care of your patients. But it's not it's not an easy journey. (laughs) Lots of bumps. And I'm glad you said that about the neurodivergency, um, because I think that one of the main reasons why I did not make it through law school is because I was an undiagnosed dysle- dyslexic. I can't even say it. Um, and it for me, it wasn't necessarily words flipping as much as words shaking, uh, mm-hmm. eye tiredness, uh, and all that other stuff. Where exact, you said it, you hit the nail on the head. You, I'm just as jealous of people, including my own kids and my wife, to can sit down and read a 250-page book in a day and a half. Yeah. And it takes me a month to get through maybe five chapters of a book. So thank you so much for for validating that for me, because it makes yeah. me feel a little less like, you know, huh, what was wrong with Chris? How come we couldn't make it? Yeah. And I didn't understand that really when I was in medical school, because I wouldn't understand how my sister can sit on like a big textbook and just read through the chapters. And I would be sitting there trying to copy every single word so I can memorize it and understand it. And so, yeah, yeah. So it, it, it is it is a hard journey for neurodivergent because I don't think the world adjusts for us, but we make it. And here we are. Was it easier for you if you if you wrote down what you were reading? Yes, actually, yes. I'm a visual person, so it really was very easier for me. The I think the way because somebody was like, "How did you get through medical school?" I was like, "That's a really good question." <laughs> um, but I think what I did is I would sit in, in every single lecture and I would write what I heard, and that kind of is what helped the information stick in my mind, um, and then. That kind of was my basis, and then trying to get through chapters, which I was horrible at. Yeah, I, I watched that with my daughter Amanda. So I have three daughters, but one of them is is nine, and she had a lot of of issues in the beginning. And I watch her. So as she reads a book, she'll write down some of the words, and that helps her process it and, and memorize it, just like like you said yeah. in the lecture. So yeah, it's really it's really neat how there are different tactics and different ways that each person responds. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so other than watching shows like ER, and I'm dating myself by saying ER, and other medical dramas, (laughs) it's still interesting to me how doctors pick a specialty versus hanging a shingle and just starting a practice. What led you to pediatric gastroenterology? Now we can make a billion different jokes right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's what led me. (laughs) Because I'm a 14-year-old boy in my head. But that notwithstanding in my immaturity, please tell us why you picked... I I almost understand the gastro the the pediatric part, but gastroenterology. Wow. 
Because we like to make poop jokes. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) 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 So I I initially knew I don't want to work with adults because you know what? Adults are always cranky, beg them to take their medicine. They don't want to take their medicine. But with kids, you're like, if you take this medicine, you're going to feel better and you're going to be able to play with your friends. And that's just like, okay, fine. And uh, when they're not feeling well, they don't, they, they feel a little cranky, but when they're feeling well, they're fun and you joke with them and you kind of uh, tell them really ridiculous jokes and they laugh at them. I don't know if they're laughing at you or laughing with you, but it doesn't matter as long as they're laughing. <laughs> so that's why I chose pediatrics for gastroenterology, honestly. So it, I mean, most of gastroenterologists are funny people. They they like to make poop jokes and all of those jokes like that's sure. that's a that's a common thing. How could you not? Um, but, right. I <laughs> I tell my patients, so a lot of teenagers, they're like, oh, I don't like to talk about poop. And I'm like, you know what? That's what they pay me for, to be a nosy and ask about your poop. <laughs> um, but really, it is that uh, gastroenterology for me is a really good balance uh, for myself. So I get to see patients in the office, but I also get to take care of patients in the hospital. But I also get to do procedures um, like endoscopies and colonoscopies. Um, But then at the end of the day, even if I'm on call, I get to go home. And that was really important for me to not be able to um, spend the majority of my time uh, in the hospital. Because as residents and fellow, we do that. Um, so that was kind of one priority for me. And I love my circadian rhythm. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah, um, right. I, I sleep. Uh, but it's a great field. I love it. And it's really, it's one of those fields where you really get to make a great impact on patients' lives and make them feel better. So we're going to take a short break. And when we return, we're going to chat with Tamara about the spark that led her to podcasting, her decision to be part of the Harvard Medical School Certificate Program in Media and Medicine, and how important it is to share information via the medium of podcasting. So we will be right back. Hi, we are back at the Library Pros podcast with Tamara Hijat. And I got it right. Correct. (laughs) So we love to talk about the spark, right? So it's something that was the ignition point for this podcast to share what we know or claim to know uh, with our profession. So where did your spark arise from? Because the podcast started in 2019, right? Correct. Correct. And full disclosure, I wasn't one of the people who created the podcast. I joined after a few episodes. And I can tell you kind of what the spark was uh, thinking about starting the podcast or even like in any podcast, when you want to start something, it all originates from being passionate about something and then having the knowledge about uh, that particular thing and wanting to share it with the world. Um, And a lot of uh, different formats are uh, kind of like that, where you like write a book or do a movie show. 
for, for me, I really wanted to uh, share my knowledge in pediatric gastroenterology and have people on our podcast to share their knowledge. And instead of reinventing the wheel, uh, and somebody already had uh, a podcast going for a few episodes, I was like, why not join them and uh, create a really good thing? So it's been going on for, we're going into our fifth season. So it's been going on for a while. And it's been successful and I kind of feel a little famous. People are coming to me and they're like, we don't know how you look, but we know how you sound and we know your voice. And I was like, oh, OK. It's kind of weird, right? <laughs> it is very weird. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So what would you what would you say is your biggest stumbling block or, or was the team's biggest stumbling block when it came to developing the podcast? It, it took about a year and a half for our podcast to begin our first recording. Um, so, and Chris put a lot of work into that and it was his idea. He just dragged me along kicking and screaming still to this day. Um, so how long did it take to develop the first, before the first episode went live? A very long time. Actually, it's, it usually is like you have an idea and then you're like, should I do it? Should I not do it? Um, are we going to start this? What topic? And you just kind of brainstorm for a long, long time. And then it was um, the people who first started, they were like, let's just record an episode and see how it goes. And I think that's how podcast starts. They're like, just let's let's record an episode and see how it goes. And it ends up being really better than you thought it would be. Uh, and then you learn so much. And it's just like that. Oh, this is so amazing. And just keep on moving. I'm thinking of maybe um, opening up a podcast because this podcast is for uh, kind of professionals. Um, I'm thinking of opening up a podcast for uh, the general kind of population. And it took me nine months to figure out a name. Eventually, my nephew gave me a name for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that was the stumbling block. What am I going to name this podcast? <laughs> the poops on you. <laughs> <laughs> I like that name. The poops on you. Poops leave on it you. Leave it to Chris to bring it right down into the gutter. Beautiful. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But I know what you mean, though. I mean, it, there there's so many different parts to it. And when when we first started this, there were no how-to books. There were no programs. There were no classes. Yeah. It was just me just trying to figure it out. That's why it, it took that so long for us. Um, yeah, and your podcast started very, very early, much way earlier than ours, right? 2014, I think it was, or 2013. Wow. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So you were one of the original peep podcasters. Yeah. Well, in the second iteration, there were people doing it like our friend Chris Kretsch has been doing it since like 2001, 2002. Um, yeah. I can't live up to Chris, but you know, he's, he's an amazing guy. So awesome. I've been listening to a number of the episodes and I'm a big fan and you know, it's really important because you're, you're, it's a professional podcast, but how important is it to have that technical aspect of each topic understandable to the lay person? I know you're not targeting the lay person, but there, I'm sure you probably have tons of listeners that, that enjoy listening to it. Cause I mean, you guys laugh all the time. Um, yes. cause I'm thinking you know, you're gearing to your audience primarily to the physicians and, and and primarily and, you know, the general public, if that's an add on, then that's a good thing. Right. Right. So we kind of although we know that our uh, podcast is primary for physicians, um, we like to include uh, a lot of people in the medical field, regardless if they're medical students, if they're nursing students, nurses uh phlebotomist anything like that and the way we try to 
um, incorporate them is even though as physicians or as uh, gastroenterologists, we know uh, the process, uh, pathophysiology, uh, the way things start, we like to go over it real quickly. So we don't kind of dive right into the the topic. We try to simplify things in the beginning, um, get people on board, and then kind of go and dive into the nitty and gritty of the details and stuff. I do recognize that this is not for kind of the general public. And that's why I was thinking of, yeah, maybe I go in and talk to my patients and I explain everything to them from like anatomy, physiology, everything to how their uh, gut is working and why they're having this issue. And I was like, maybe I should put this in a podcast and uh, for the general public to understand uh, the knowledge that I have, but not in kind of very um, medical terminologies, but more simplified terminologies that would help them understand conditions that they're going through. So that's kind of how um, our podcast is geared um, and our thought process about it. Well, I think it's important, too, because you want to be able to attract as many listeners as possible. Not that that's our main drive, but it's it's great when you look at those stats at the end of the month. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Never, it never hurts. It's always that's an correct. ego boost, right, when you get the stats at the <laughs> end of the month. <laughs> Wait, more yeah, than five people so listen. <laughs> that is what definitely a, true. Yeah. What a great service to the community as well. So Tamara, did, did your formula change as you published episodes? So sometimes people like podcasts that are 20 minutes long. Others like to sit and listen to longer episodes. And for some insane reason, for 104 episodes, uh, people have listened to Chris and Iadro on, on and on forever. Um, but really, what, what do you feel is the sweet spot for podcast episodes and kind of like holding that listenership? So um, that's a really good question. And that's always a debate between uh, me and my co-host is that um, should the podcast uh, episode be shorter? Should it be longer? Um, Ours started off at 30 minutes and then we're like, okay, no more than 40. And then we're like, okay, no more than 50. (laughs) And then we're like, okay, no more than an hour. (laughs) And now it's like an hour and eight minutes. But sometimes there's such great information that you can't cut it down. Because first, it will sound a little bit of awkward. Um, But second of all, uh, you're listening to it and you're like, I really think this should all be shared with, uh, with our listeners. So in terms of length, I think I um, I read a study recently, uh, and I forget from where, but it was the average um, time listened a day worldwide for um, podcasts is an hour. So I was like, okay, if as long as it's less than an hour, then that's great. I think people, when they um, think about their podcast and their listeners, they probably think about like their um, um, kind of time they go from work to or their travel time. Um, and some people's travel time is 30 minutes, some is an hour. So I think that's where we're thinking of maybe 30 minutes to an hour. There's a lot of podcasts that are 15 minutes. They get to the point. They are um, talking about just a few details. Sometimes they feel too short. 
and sometimes they feel like great. Um, I think what prolongs our podcast is that we have this something called banter where we kind of at the <laughs> beginning of the podcast, we talk, <laughs> we talk about random stuff in our lives. And I've had really good positive feedback. People are like, oh, what happened to your cat today or the other day? Uh, and some people don't like it, but well, um, you just described our podcast. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Leaf blowers but, you and know all. What? <laughs> yeah. You can't make everybody happy. So you have to kind of go with what you think is good for your audience. Yeah, and, and in terms of, again, to bore everybody to go a little deep for a second in podcasting, when you look at the retention rate in your statistics and you see that, you know, you're at like 70%, 80% and it's based upon how many minutes they listen. For us, we're retaining people for basically 42 minutes, which is not too bad. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's crazy. I'll Unless take they just it. put it on and walk away from the desk. That's possible too, right? They could just. Well, I'm not going to say that I haven't, you know, put it on and walked away a few times to get those stats right. up. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I know, right? It's it's hysterical. And now with all the digital assistants, Alexa and Google Home and all that stuff too, it's, you know, you can set it, forget it, kind of. Um, okay, so you're a recent graduate from the Harvard Medical School Certificate Program in Media and Medicine. So for full disclosure, I'm part of the program, and it was kind of how we met. Um, yeah. But tell us about your experience with the program. I thought it was amazing to see students in the program go from not knowing much about the development of a podcast to actually getting down to it and recording. So I was a mentor, and I would always you know, get my two, three, four students, and they would say, I have this idea for a podcast. And then you have to kind of, sometimes you have to raise the expectation and sometimes you have to lower the expectation a little bit. But what's really interesting is the passion, right? And I think in order to do a podcast, you have to have that passion, that spark, that, that, that raison d'etre, right? And Correct. every single one of them was so incredibly excited and enthusiastic and gung-ho to do it. it. It made me feel like what we do here has value outside of like we talk about joking about statistics and all, but you know, to see that there are other people excited about doing this. So tell us about, you know, what you felt about the program and how it affected you. I think it was amazing. Um, I did the certificate program and if I can do the master's program, I would definitely do it because uh, even just from the certificate program, which I think was five months, I learned so much. Um, so I went in it wanting to do something like a documentary and I got so much guidance, um, uh, kind of great ideas, uh, great support in order to kind of get an idea for the documentary that I want to do. I still haven't worked on it completely, but my capstone at the end was kind of uh, doing part of that documentary. And it was just something that I encourage everybody, everybody that wants to kind of use uh, the media platform to um, uh, kind of spread knowledge about medical or uh, anything about kind of medicine or anything uh, related to medicine or healthcare or anything like that. It's a really, really great program because there's a lot of media. I didn't even know that you can um, raise awareness about healthcare issues, uh, a form of like a play. And I was like, oh, wow, that's very interesting. So I, it was a great experience that I learned so much from. And, um, uh, I, I, I'm, if I can do the master's program, I would definitely go for it. 
It, and it really is a fun a fun thing because you're you're rubbing shoulders with some pretty amazing people too. Yes, yes, yeah. Executive absolutely. producer of ER again, dating myself. Uh, yes, Susan Coven, who's <laughs> who's an amazing amazing person on top of being an amazing doctor. Uh, you know, there's yes. there's a great group of people there, and and I'm I consider myself extremely um, fortunate that they had asked me to to do the mentoring, and I teach the podcasting class either in class or over Zoom. Uh, in a classroom setting, and it's so much fun because when I do teach, you know, do lectures on on podcasting, you, you kind of need to read the room. And what's so right. exciting for me, um, being a white guy, right, is seeing the amount of diversity around that table. And when I walk, every time I walk in, I'm just so happy and excited to see that there's other people out there who are not the white male from New York that you know want to do this and already, you know, are involved in the medical field in one way, shape or form, or they're involved in a profession and they thought that this was going to help them. And they're listening to some dumb guy from Long Island talk about podcasting. So. Well, you're not giving yourself that much credit though. <laughs> <laughs> You've been doing this for a long, long time. So I'm sure you're, uh, you're giving them so much knowledge and they appreciate it. Wow. But there's a lot of amazing people like you in that program. Um, like Neil Bear and Jason Silverstein and Susan, uh, Suzanne Coven, all of the, they're great. They're amazing. Like you. I mean, everybody, I'm sure everybody enjoyed your uh, lecture um, and your talks about, pop, including me. You gave us one talk in the certificate program and I was like, oh my gosh, these are such great like tips. I didn't even think about it. <laughs> Were you there when I was in person that time? No, no, it was, was on Zoom. Zoom. I was a Zoom. Yeah, okay. yeah. Because I was actually up in Boston, and I'm like, oh, if I'm there. And of course, we were going to visit colleges with my daughter, and she's like, ugh, dad. <laughs> and every time we walk past the medical school, oh, that's where my father is going to talk. I'm like, thanks, kid. I appreciate I like all the that your daughter gives you a hard time. Oh, my God. It's, when, it's more like if she doesn't give me a hard time, I ask if there's something wrong. That's so a pretty I, good impression of, of of Julie too. Oh no, that was actually Courtney. <laughs> that was Courtney. That was know. Courtney. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I don't know if she would agree. Would she agree? <laughs> oh, they please. They they don't they don't agree on anything except making fun of me. So, but yeah, I mean, I just enjoy every second of working working with the yeah. students because it's such a diverse group, not just in terms of where they're from uh, or the color of their skin but their backgrounds, you know, where yeah. they teach or where they're a doctor or where they're, we had one guy in, in one of the classes who was a comedian. And oh, wow. See, like, that's amazing. Wow, that's crazy. And then he yeah. had asked me on the side, I know you're not my mentor, but how do, you know, can you help me? And I was like, yeah, I'll help you out. And we, you know, helped him out with a few different things. So it's an amazing it's program. It's pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, I will, and but, everybody brings their passion. Yes, that's exactly. Amazing. And I yes. will definitely put the link to the program in the, in the show notes. Um, because I think everybody, and don't be intimidated by the the name Harvard, right? Because it's right, right, yeah. It, it's an amazing program that really is for everyone. Correct, correct. You just have to be passionate about something, and you'll get the guidance that you need. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So this next question sounds like a no brainer, um, but with our pod our podcast, the idea is to share what people are doing in our profession from pretty much wherever they are. Uh, and hopefully the listeners can take a part of the conversation and apply it to what they do. So I'm guessing that's 
how you feel about your podcast too, right? Or can you share a little bit about what you want the folks in the community or your colleagues to get from what you share? Yeah. So um, our podcast is we uh, invite somebody who's an expert in the field uh, in certain area and certain diseases and certain conditions to talk about the um, kind of the new um, research that is uh, been done about a certain condition, the new medications, new treatments, and um, give all that information to uh, people who are not as expert or are still medical students, still residents, fellows, um, or general kind of practitioners um, about kind of what's up there and how they would um, deal with this condition. And we've had a lot of people say that our podcast had helped them a lot with changing their practices and uh, changing the way they uh, treat certain conditions or uh, how they approach certain um, um, medical uh, complexities. So that's what we're hoping with our podcast is to bring the experts who've been practicing um, for years and years and years and uh, have all this great knowledge and to share it with everybody out there. You know, it's it. What's really cool too is, I mean, I obviously we're not going to say get your diagnosis from a podcast, but I think the way that that w- with with you and your your co-host when you talk about a, a subject, you make it. It's it's hard to explain until you listen to it. Where you when you're listening to what you're discussing, yes, you're being technical, but you're being technical with a vernacular, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's you're not necessarily talking to an 80 year old patient and explaining why they have X, Y, Z, but you're not and but you're not exactly being so technical where you're talking about, you know, riboflavin and, you know, little parts of the nuclei of the cell and how there's rates of absorption and all that crazy stuff, too. And that's I think for me, that's the appealing part of it with having two kids with celiac. You know, it really resonates with me because, you know, we've we've gone the, the gastroenterologist route. So and it's just really nice to see doctors as people. Yeah. You know, not just to be the clinical. Well, it's I see how your, your blood re- blood results came in and, you know, to be the clinical person with the white coat on. And, you, you know, you know, what I'm trying to say it. you put a human face to to gastroenterology. Thank you. That's very, that's really nice to hear. I'm going to share this with my co-hosts because that's kind of part of um, our passion is um, for people to um, to be able to enjoy it and learn from it and for us to kind of make it a very enjoyable, lighthearted podcast, but with um, valuable information. So thank you for saying that. We really appreciate it. Yeah. I haven't listened yet, but I will be, I'll be listening as soon as we're done with this podcast here today. But um, thank you. my daughter, thank Rebecca, you. my 17 year old just got diagnosed with Crohn's last year. Um, and I can tell you that a podcast to take the fear out of some of the diagnos- diagnostic stuff they had to do or didn't do right away. Like just knowing that information was out there would have been mind blowing. We were so worried for five or six weeks while they tried to figure out what this was. Um, but to have something, to have folks like you bringing it down to earth and saying, okay, it's not the end of the world. There are treatments and not only uh, there are, are effective treatments. Um, you know, yeah. So that would have been really nice to have a little, a little lifeline to remove some of the fear that just 
you know, when you don't know, there's, there's, you don't even know what to ask because it's just right. your life gets turned upside down because your child isn't eating and yesterday she was. And Correct. that's kind of how, you know, and everybody's affected differently. So it can take some time to figure out what's going on and, and what is it. And that's a really scary time for parents and caregivers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I believe in empowering my patients with knowledge because once you give them that knowledge, then they give you all the important information for you to figure out that mystery that's going on. So, yeah. And it keeps them um, off Google too, which is good. Yeah. They shouldn't be on Google because Google's a bad place. Google. I always tell, yeah, I always tell my patients, I can be your Google. Please do not go to Google, the actual Google, because it's going to tell you all of this scary stuff. And so Rebecca let me was, be your yeah. Google. Yes. And my daughter at the time was Googling stuff. And I'm like, no, no, let's go to, you know, the literal doctor Google. Let's go to the doctor that knows what they're doing in, with this case. And um, yeah, it was a scary time. Well, isn't it true that, and I, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I always hear you're always five on Google. When you di- click a diagnosis, you're five clicks away from dying. Pretty oh, much. Yes. <laughs> No matter That's what it is, true. right? You could be you could be constipated, or you could have colon cancer, stage four colon yeah. cancer. <laughs> yeah. Could be anxiety or a heart attack, right? Yeah. You know what? Even when I Google my symptoms, I'm like what? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> WebMD is dangerous, right? <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to be scholastic. I'm going to go into Google Scholar and I'm going to read a scholarly journal on this, and everything's in Latin. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> But for um, there's a really good uh, also podcast for actually from patients um, with Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. Um, It's from a network called Improve Care Now. Um, So that's kind of uh, something we uh, we collaborated with them on one episode. Um, So um, you write that down for Rebecca. Yeah. So and uh, they're really they're patients that are passionate about sharing their stories and sharing their um their journey she ran into something you're gonna laugh but for for her uh the teenager version of of um google is tiktok right so oh uh, uh, yeah there are a couple people yeah. on TikTok. now listen chris i saw your face but but tiktok was actually instrumental for her in in yes. meeting Honestly. people that had the same types of illnesses yeah yeah, I learned a lot of skincare from TikTok. <laughs> I wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it, but she, she ran across a couple of people that were talking about things that she was experiencing, and that helped her more than you know anything could at the time. So, yeah. yeah, and that's kind of media platform uh, yeah. that I think uh, a lot of uh, people with knowledge should use, kind of yeah, like so podcasting. To yeah, you could do some shorts for your podcast and put them on oh, TikTok. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at you! You know the terminology right now. <laughs> Yeah. Bob isn't as old as me, so <laughs> <laughs> there are too many people left in the profession that are as old as me. <laughs> okay, so we really do appreciate you coming on the podcast today to talk about it, the the topics because it continues to be an issue to know about doctor things and medical things and, and like I said before, you guys, you I'm yeah, using air quotes. You're dumbing it down without dumbing it down. So thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. So when we come back, we are going to be asking Tamara our top 10 library questions, which is interesting because she doesn't work in a library. Or what we like to call the 032 <laughs> list, which is, you ready for this? This is really nerdy. It's the Dewey number for top 10 lists. So oh. we always give thanks to our buddy, Matt, Matt, my buddy who I can't even say her name, 
Melanie Cardone from the Longwood Public Library over in Middle Island, New York, for naming the list of questions. Yes, all I get. We ask all our guests. I'm trying to rush through this. So we'll be back in just a moment. So we play. We are back with Tamara Hajat from the Bowel Sounds Pediatric GI Podcast, who will be our next participant in our 032 list. Are you ready? I am ready. <laughs> wow. So we modified it since you don't work in a library, but mm -hmm. we still have fun with it. So what did you want to be when you were a child? I wanted to be a singer, but my dad crushed that. <laughs> <laughs> Your poor dad. Dads never get the credit. They always get the, the lack of a better way to describe it, the poop end of it. Huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like, let me sing. Oh, maybe you need another career. <laughs> I was like, okay, fine, dad. <laughs> so what is your first memory of a library? And who brought you to the library for the first time? That's a great question. So my first memory of a library was when I was in fourth grade. Um, so... When I was in fourth grade, my family moved back to Jordan, which uh, where I'm originally from. And I didn't know any Arabic. I really didn't like uh, I barely knew the alphabets in Arabic. Um, and what I remember is that we had a um, library class. I don't know if that's something that's still kind of available in schools, but we had a class where, where you would go to a library and there's a librarian there and they were would kind of teach you about how to search for books in the library and how to read books and uh, what to do um, if you can't find a book and they would let you go and borrow a book and start reading it. Now, that was um, a difficult task for me, not knowing Arabic and being neurodivergent. But I remember that a librarian was very, very great and she was very nice and she helped me through it. And I think that's my first memory of a library is uh, our school librarian, school librarian. So when did you decide to work in the your field that you're in now? Um, as a gastroenterologist, I think when I was in medical school. Um, I saw a kid that had liver problems and at that point, um, that the five-year-old who had like a genetic condition called Wilson, um, wasn't in a good, um, um, stage of her liver condition, but was very, uh, smiley and happy and, um, interactive and goofy. And that's when I really thought that uh, this is uh, the field that I want to go into to help children start feeling better. So who would you say is your favorite fictional librarian, if you can think of one? The librarian from Monsters, Inc. <laughs> That's a good one. I don't think we had that one. That's great. <laughs> and I remember uh, the clip where they wanted to go get the flag 
um, from the library and uh, they were trying not to make any noise or the librarian would like get really, really, really big. And I think it was like a type of like an octopus like library. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's funny. Yeah. So that's my favorite library. <laughs> that's a good one. I love it. So what would you be doing if you weren't a doctor? I would actually um, be a graphic designer. Mm. I'm a visual person and I like um, putting things together and putting colors together. Um, so I would probably be a graphic designer or a forensic psychologist. <laughs> or a friend she just to threw that in there at the singer, end. Though, not a singer. <laughs> not, I didn't get a singer, I suppose, right? At the time. I like the way you just threw there threw it in there at the end. Like, or I was like, oh, maybe she'll say something like, oh, I don't know, something light. Oh, a forensic psychologist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> simple. simple, right, Chris? Yeah. Something easy. Right. Something simple. Yeah. Sure. So what what's your favorite section of the library then? Ooh, um, graphic novels. I love those comics and graphic novels. Um, I haven't uh, been into manga that much, but uh, I love comics. But like the the comics about cats. (laughs) You're playing to the librarian audience, aren't you? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Every librarian was just like, I'll keep listening. Oh, wait, we're going to have to listen to her podcast now. She likes cats. Cats? I love cats. cats. (laughs) That's it. You just got every librarian. Oh, my goodness. You're going to see a big bump now. A big bump in your podcast. (laughs) That's great. So, okay. Well, this next question we kind of have to fudge with a little bit. If you had infinite space and budget, what would you add to, I guess, your practice or your hospital or like what, what's the need that you wish you had without calling out anybody and getting in trouble? Oh, I actually like that if you add to your local library. Oh, okay. What would you like to add yeah. to your local library? Um, I think I would add a section. Well, I before talking about cats, I had an answer. So now I have two answers. <laughs> <laughs> I would add a section for uh, kids with special needs. And it would be like a very big section with kids with disabilities and special needs. And it would be like um, a very big section for uh, kids with um, uh, vision uh, loss or um, a big section for uh, kids who um, have hearing disabilities. And like instead of a story time uh, that is read like a story time that is um um in kind of the american sign language um and like other uh section with kids like for specifically for kids with uh disability and special needs and then next to that would be a cat sanctuary <laughs> like a, calming, a cat calming sanctuary right yeah, yes yeah or whoever wants to read and sit next to a cat <laughs> See, and, you know, and right away I go right to, and right next to that would be an allergist clinic for all the people that have allergies to cats. There's a couple of cafes that are open now on Long Island that you can go in and spend time with cats. And yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. 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 But they don't have books. They need to add books to that. 
It's right, usually coffee. Like medication. Yeah. Yeah, and and a Benadryl, yeah. 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 Benadryl, yeah. And a Benadryl, yeah. No reaction, exactly. <laughs> it's like a kit that you buy, Chris, when you get in there. You buy a coffee, you buy Benadryl, and then you can hang out with the cats. Yeah. Well, maybe you can get a Benadryl latte. That's right. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, God, so, that's so funny. So what do you absolutely love about libraries? What I love about libraries, when you go in and you look at all the books, you know that all these books have so much knowledge in them. Mm. And if every book, if every knowledge was substituted with $100, that book, that big library would be so like it would be a big bank. It would be like one of the biggest banks. And I don't think people understand how like libraries are so valuable. It has so much knowledge that it is really even um, better than money. And mm-hmm. and then every when you look at the books on the shelves, you know that every book is a door that is to like an alternative place, alternative universe. Um, you can travel in these books, but you also can kind of stay grounded and learn about like really factual things. But you can also open up another book and you can travel somewhere else. So that's what I love about libraries is that it is just a treasure of knowledge and um, doors to like places that you've never been before and places you can just go to and travel to. I love that analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Without doubt. Cause you wouldn't know that the money's in the book until you opened it up. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Maybe That's put it in cool. your, I'm just kidding. I like that. I like that. <laughs> Good idea. I'll buy that allergy, uh, yeah, right. uh, coffee latte. Yeah. Exactly. The Benadryl latte. Yeah. The Benadryl yeah. latte. <laughs> so, this question originally is for like, because we all have stories, right? Like, what's the craziest thing mm-hmm. that's ever happened in the library? Because believe it or not, crazy things happen there. But what's the strangest, strangest thing that's ever happened in your career? Oh, this is a good one. So um, we had a family come in and say their child, every time their child steps next to a TV or a screen, that screen changes in colors. And they're like, what's going on? And they're like, what's going on with our child? Every time they step next to a TV or a screen, the screen changes into colors. Like, is there something going on with our child? So we do an x-ray and it turns out the child swallowed a magnet. There you and go. <laughs> every time that child would go next to a screen, like if you put a screen next to a magnet, which I don't recommend because I think it kind of um, ruins your screen, but it gives out like that circular different color kind of a little rainbow thing thing. right yes the little rainbow thing so we're like yeah kid uh, swallowed magnet which is actually really not good i would say magnets and button batteries are like the two things that i would recommend families um locking in a box because they're very very dangerous but uh Thankfully, this kid did really well, but it was very, very funny. Usually uh, when kids swallow these things, they're witnessed. But this is like for the past week, every time they step next to a screen, a screen <laughs> changes in colors. All right, That's so some you, way to diagnose it, huh? Yeah. You, you know I have a follow-up question for this. <laughs> yeah. You know I do. I do. 
<laughs> how far with that question? How far did it get? <laughs> uh, it was in the small intestine. So usually they poop it out, but this kid had like multiple magnets. So they like Oh like, no. They, so they pinched something? Yes. And it was like we when we took the picture, it uh it looked like it was a um bracelet. Oh, made out no. of you know those buckyballs so it was like yeah. it looked like it was a bracelet made out of buckyballs and it was it, it was not a good situation but the kid um made it really made it through but that was um it, it usually if it's one magnet they just uh it passes through them um and the multiples would link together yeah that's, that's yeah the and they can okay. pinch pinch the skin right well, well it actually can pinch the bowel yeah. yeah and then that can cause holes in the bowel and stuff like that so that's why i say magnets and button batteries are very 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 big things that i would say lock out like a lock in a box and yeah. when you walk into the x-ray room you have to make sure they don't go near the mri room right because correct <laughs> or they'll get attached to the mri that's the way to get them out right <laughs> See, now we know why doctors start with x-rays. <laughs> right. Start with something simple that won't perforate your bowel. Yeah, that's good. Because yeah, how many yeah. times have you walked into the doctor's office? I just need an MRI. Well, we're going to take an x-ray first, but I just need an MRI. <laughs> that's why. Right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. gosh. That's good. Well, I guess that kind of links us to our next question is, do you have a favorite patient who has left a lasting impression on you? <laughs> <laughs> Magnetic impression. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I think all patients, uh, and this might seem like it's a, a standard diplomatic kind of answer, but all patients leave a lasting impression on me. Um, I kind of love to hear all the stories of my patients. So I just don't treat the condition. I treat the whole patient. So I know um, what their favorite sport is and what they like to do outside of school. And um what their favorite color is and if they have pets and all of that so they all leave a lasting impression on me the really the 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 kids that um are uh, mostly kind of leave mostly impression on me because i see them frequently are kids with kind of inflammatory bowel disease like crohn's and ulcerative colitis because um, we go with them through up their ups and downs and we laugh with them and uh, we uh, kind of sit down with them and explain everything. And you see them frequently and uh, you tell them that they're going to feel better and you show them that they're going to feel better. And it's just um, you get to know the patient and the whole family. Um, and one of my patients um her and I, I was like, okay, what about you and I write a comic book together about IBD? So <laughs> I kind of like, uh, I think all my patients um, um, leave something and some impression on me. That's a great answer. It really is. It really is. So last question. Yeah. What are people without library cards missing out on? So much. <laughs> Those are hundred dollar bills in a book, right? Money in the book is what I was going to say here. Exactly. So understand that really having a library card gets you so much stuff. So not only like physical books, but you can get eBooks, 
And if you want to listen to music, you can listen to music without needing to subscribe to any other or pay like a premium. Your library, your local library gets you that uh, to podcasts, to magazines, to all of that. But really one thing, um, which my friend and I were talking about that is even if you really don't use your library card that much, get one because that supports your local library. And uh, although you might have the funds and means to be able to buy books, um, some other people cannot buy books or some other people read so much books that their house will be filled with a lot of books. Mm -hmm. So they need the library. Um, so yeah, get a library card. It's uh, it's a great thing. You're missing out on so much stuff. So yeah. I think we have a new spokesperson for libraries. I was just going to say, they can be our open get a library card. You're missing out on great stuff. That's oh I like my that. goodness. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've been an amazing guest. Thank you. You're like oh, a ray you. of sunshine in the podcast world. Oh, yeah. thank you. This is great. This has been amazing. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank so you much. for coming on. And um, maybe we'll have you on again. Maybe we'll do a second one once you do your um, your your new poop podcast. So we'll do it yeah. number two first. What's that? What's that? Do a number two. Oh, yeah, I would love that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry, I missed all the other jokes. No I had to pun get one intended. No pun intended. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> but but seriously, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate yeah, it. I know amazing. it was kind of crazy getting you, you know, with with the scheduling. But I appreciate you taking the time. Thank yeah, you so much. Thank you for inviting me. This is it's great. great to meet you too. Nice to meet you too. To uh, oh, absolutely. If that's, if that's a, We have come to the end of another episode of The Library Pros, and we thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments on this or any episode, click on the Contact Us form on our website, thelibrarypros.com. Visit us on Twitter at The Library Pros and on Facebook at facebook.com slash thelibrarypros. Don't forget to tell a friend or colleague and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Special thanks to our podcasting engineer, Dean Meyer. Remember, the opinions stated by the library pros and their guests are solely those of Chris and Bob and are not those of the Sachem Public Library, the MS Clark Memorial Library, or any other library. See you next time. You've been listening to the Library Pros Podcast. The Library Pros are brought to you by Pippet Productions and by the Library Pros themselves, Krista Christofaro and Bob Johnson. Special thanks to Sachem Public Library for providing space for this podcast. Until the next turn of the page, I'm your announcer, Carlton Welch.